0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, because it's true. Why? Because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. We have an interesting quote from a gentleman named Jay Kishan Panchal at InfoQ.com. He says, The mobile revolution is changing the way organizations work manage their operations, as well as engage with their employees, unquote. That's a big statement, covers a lot of territory. So what are we talking about? Well, we all know we are all leveraging. Come on, I'm talking to you, our global audience all over the world. We're all used to leveraging mobile apps in our private lives. However, would you like to have some really great apps at work? Maybe you have a few Maybe they're not so friendly. Well, in 2016, Apple and SAP formed a partnership to jointly drive adoption of what we'll call enterprise mobility. For whom? For companies all over the world, countries, industries, all sizes. Great news. So what's next? Now they're focusing on democratizing innovation. Ah, that means innovation for all. You know innovation is a major buzzword in what your company needs to do to stay relevant and be part of whatever market or markets you're trying to conquer and lead. So what are we talking about with innovation? Well, let's think of some of our favorite new technologies. How about machine learning and the wonderful augmented reality? But it goes beyond that. It goes to innovation in processes and in best practices That's what makes businesses run so well. So how do we get these innovations into the hands of the actual users? We think it's by using, by way of the nimble firms in the ecosystem that often provide packaged solutions to kickstart your company's innovation journey. I know that's a lot to get your hands around, and that's why I've invited three very, very smart people to help us figure it all out. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. First up, it will be my pleasure to introduce you to Stuart Clements. He's the Director of Robotics Process Automation, known as RPA, and Machine Learning at Keytree. We'll find out what Stuart does a little later, and all about his company, Keytree. And then We're going to welcome Morton Graham. No, he's not a relative of mine. His last name is G-R-A-M. Mine is G-R-A-H-A-M. He's the vice president at Trifork Smart Enterprise, and we'll find out what Morton does and what Trifork is. And rounding out the panel is a returning guest. Always happy to have him on board. It's Holger Fritzinger, the VP, head of Apple SAP, go-to market at S.A.P. Gentlemen, welcome. Very happy to have you on board. And now let's start right at the table where Stuart Clements is sitting, and Stuart has sent us a wonderful quote. Stuart, I love short quotes because there's so much to say about them. This is a quote that goes way back in time, but we're referencing it as something said by John Keating, played by the inimitable and sadly gone Robin Williams in the movie Dead Poets Society, 1989. And here's the quote. Carpe diem. Here's the rest of the quote. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Stuart Clements, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you, Bonnie. Well thank you for joining the discussion today. We're delighted to have you. I love the quote. I hope you didn't mind that I expanded it to the full line from the movie because I think that really gives it more teeth. Seize the day, boys. He's talking to his students. So we're talking about RPA, machine learning, augmented reality, getting apps that work that are friendly into the hands of users in companies all over the world. Tell me how the quote applies, Stuart.
2: Yeah, this this quote is something that's really um, being at the center of um, my kind of life and certainly my working life, and even way back when I was a student. So, carpe diem, it's the sense that all of us are in, you know, we have an end, we're all going to die eventually. But that shouldn't be a negative thing, that can be treated as really positive and help drive us, particularly um, in this area. And John Keating, when he was talking to the students and the pupils, he wanted to help them avoid just leading a normal life, basically repeating the pattern of their parents. And he wanted to look at the potential they had and see how they could create and innovate and lead their lives in new directions. I love the point in the film where he asks them to stand up on their desks and they stand and they look at the classroom from a completely new perspective. And if you apply that to technology... And, and how we need to create an environment for creativity and allow our teams to innovate That's exactly uh, what we are looking to do to help all our teams fulfill their potential. And that's why, you know, I, I really love the quote, you know,
1: Carpe DM. Thank you. I love it, too. Stewart it it's a very interesting quote because i know it goes way back to i think i'm sure it's latin and it probably goes back centuries but i love the way they applied it in the movie and i'm i'm intrigued to hear that you use this as one of the things in your life um i think people say we only go around once or uh today is the first day of the rest of your life don't you do you agree and i think you do that carpe diem really encapsulates that so elegantly what do you think
2: No, absolutely. It it allows you to kind of reflect that, well, I I believe you only have one life, and we're all born with a certain potential. So let's make the most of it, and let's help those around us fulfill their potential as well through, you know, in terms of this discussion, how to be more creative and how to innovate um, for us in the technology space.
1: I like the way you threw in the word creative. You kind of snuck that in on me, Stuart. We we think of innovation, but we don't often think about creative when we talk about technology. We think a little bit more about that in the arts. We'll talk about that later. Stuart, thank you for a great opening to our roundtable part where we learn about our our guests through their opening quotes. Let me move around the table slightly to Morton Graham at Trifork. And Morton has sent me a quote from Michael Jordan, still very much alive and kicking or tossing, as I should say, nineteen. 63, he was born, known as MJ, American former professional basketball player who was the principal owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA, and he played 15 seasons in the NBA National Basketball Association for the Chicago Bulls and the Washington Wizards. He has been called the greatest basketball player of all time. Talk about seize the day. Now, Morton sent me the following quote, and I added another quote to it because I thought it was great. So, Morton, please indulge me. First, Morton said he wants to talk about... The key to success is failure, which is a very provocative quote from Michael Jordan. But I found another one that explains that. Here it is. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Morton Graham, officially welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you?
3: I'm fine, and thank you for having me on the show. It's it's really exciting. Um,
1: we're, we're delighted. Tell me about this. We'll go with just the key to success is failure. I'd love to hear how you picked that for the show today. Go ahead, Morten.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's it's very saying, or and it's been a good guidance for me through my life, that uh, any success actually comes after a lot of failures. And I think it goes for all the facets of our life, basically. If you think about it, when we are born as a baby... Once we got to start learning to walk, we get up, we fall down, we have to get up, we fall down, and it just keeps following you through life, right? One of the big challenges is actually if you get afraid of failing, that becomes a limitation in your life. Some of the most successful entrepreneurs, business people in in life, all innovations has come through a lot of failures, and then at, at the end, they find the recipe and they succeed. So I think... When we're talking about this show and about enterprises, new technologies, having to innovate, it's all about having the courage to actually go through a lot of failures to figure out how to utilize some of these technologies, because at the end of the day, the speed that things are being innovated and the speed that uh, enterprises has to adopt this, the first people or companies moving on this might not exactly know what these technologies should be used for, or where they could actually generate value for the enterprises. So I think a lot of the stuff that they're doing actually requires the courage to move into innovation, to adopt the technologies, and to accept that there will be failures on the way to actually finding the success. Um, yeah, so for me, if I look at me personally, I've done quite a few businesses. I've also made some that failed. But, <laughs> but I think the most important thing is from every failure, if you just learn. Mm -hmm. Um, something, it's been worth it, right? And then you try again, and you try something new based on your learning, and at the end of the day, you will find the right um, path to success.
1: Very eloquently put. Thank you, Mr. Graham. And I want to add something I've heard in recent years, Morton. I've heard people say, fail fast and fail often. And I usually hear that in the context of startups. In other words, don't expect, right? What does that mean to you? Tell me.
3: No, it, it, for, for me, this, this is the essence of everything. With the, the, the speed everything is going, you need to be able to have the courage to try things, but also accept that you fail, and the faster you fail and learn, the quicker you can get to the end goal. I think a lot of the, the, the challenges in this, is, it's a big cultural, cultural shift, because in mm-hmm. a lot of companies, you don't accept failure. I mean, you're working to minimize failures, And now we're coming from a different angle saying, well, actually a lot of failures is good, but fail fast and learn and get on. Where a lot of enterprises, they keep working on the same project because they want it to succeed. They don't want the failure, right? So they keep working down the wrong path instead of actually accepting that this might be the wrong way, so let's pivot and go in a different direction, right? So... um, so I think this is a big cultural shift for a lot of traditional enterprises that they should actually change the culture from being fault-free, where which you see a lot in production, to actually accept <laughs> that now we're on a different, down a different path where film is actually acceptable, and we need to fail a lot to actually be able to utilize these technologies in the right way.
1: Thank you very much, Morton. Pleasure to have you on. I love this start to the show. Uh, Morton is new and Stuart is new. Holger's been on before. I love the way we take inspirational quotes and we do a a, a double double purpose, actually. We're letting the audience around the world know how you all think, what's important to you, perhaps how you live your life, which you've both mentioned, your mantras, your go-tos in your life, uh, what your calling card is, basically, of who you are, and we're relating it to the topic. So thank you both, Holger. You've been waiting so patiently. And Holger, I said that to a guest about a month ago on the radio, and he he countered back to me quickly and said, how do you know I'm patient? And I I vowed never to say that again, but I just did. So Holger has sent us a quote from John Steinbeck. Steinbeck, uh, John Ernst Steinbeck III, 1902 to 1968, he was very young, was one of the most famous and widely read American writers of the 20th century, and he won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1962. You may be familiar with his famous novella of Mice and Men from 1937 and his Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Grapes of Wrath in 1939, both about living the working class, living and the migrant workers during the Great Depression in the U.S. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up. This could become your new favorite quote. Ideas are like rabbits. You get a couple and learn how to handle them. And pretty soon you have a dozen. Holger, welcome back. How have you been? Well, it's been great. Thanks for having me back on the show. I'm always happy to have you on the show, and I have to thank you for bringing us Morton and Stuart. You're the ones who brought them to me and said they'd be great on this topic, and I'm already very impressed, so thank you. Holger, tell me about this Steinbeck quote, ideas are like rabbits. I want to start right there because I, I just love the way that sounds. Talk to me.
4: Yeah, and I think it's it's great to have a, a quote about rabbits in a business context, so <laughs> Uh, that that that's something which isn 't easy to find, so for basically what we 're doing in our private lives, but also in business it's it 's a lot about getting started and then basically what what happens afterwards and it ties a little bit back to what Morton was talking about in uh, getting getting started looking looking at new things, trying new things, failing fast so in in this context in in business as well as in private lives it's it's important to Start thinking about new topics, generating ideas, finding out what really works. But then it's also important to to shift gear and then figure out what do you do once the ball gets rolling, once you're really engaged. And that, that's the same thing in private life, but also in business for us, especially if you look at that mobility projects. Always the first project is the hardest one, and I'm, I'm sure the, the other folks on the call can, can attest to that. Always hard to get the the first idea, the first innovation, the first mobile project going. And once you have that, once you have something to show for, once you have uh, gotten everybody excited, then often it's about getting into the next phase. And then the 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 opportunities and the challenges look completely different. So in in the next stage, then so once the the couple of rabbits are there. It's more about managing what what comes next. Then basically, you have to start thinking about: Do I need additional enablement training for people? Do I need to put processes in place? Do I need to put some kind of uh, portfolio planning in place? Are so all kinds of big words, all kinds of important things. But after the first, getting the first momentum, then finding the right. Uh, place and time and, and opportunity to say, okay, now let's take a step back and now let's look at the next set of ideas and, and figure out how, how do we continue with uh, the new ideas coming in. And the key thing for me is that, that both phases are really important. So it's really important to find great ideas, to get started, to convince people because otherwise there's, there's no need to discuss about any next phase. But then once you have the projects going, once you have the engagements going, it's also very important to figure out how, how do you handle it and how do you make sure that you get this to more users, to, to more people, to more customers out there.
1: Very well put. Holger, you had me looking under the desk for the rabbits. I'm only teasing. I love the quote. Yeah. It just stopped. <laughs> that, it, you yeah, said it.
4: Looking. one to the session. <laughs>
1: <laughs> looking, <laughs> you know, I, I was leading an, an improv group here in my community. I used to do stand-up comedy, and I've studied improv for years. That's how I do my radio shows. You just keep thinking of ideas, right? The rabbits pop up all the time yeah. when I have smart people like Stuart and Morton and, and Holger on the show. And there's a, a funny a game called Bunny Bunny, where you form a circle with however many people. I used to have 10 or 12 people in this group I led, this class, and you say to somebody, I'm going to pass this imaginary bunny to you and you throw up the, your hands up in the air like you're passing a basketball and you look at the person around the circle to whom you want to pass the ball and you say bunny bunny. They have to open their hands and catch the bunny. <laughs> this is imaginary. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have to look at somebody else and say bunny 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 and they pass it to somebody else. Of course my name is Bonnie so sometimes they got confused and said Bonnie, bunny instead of bunny bunny but I'm just going to leave it there. Thank you very much for the great quote and I I think the important thing here is all the quotes seem to go together so well. Stewart is talking about carpe diem, seizing the day, being extraordinary. Morton was talking about the key to success is failure, failure, fail fast, fail often. Just keep learning. Learning is really the key to that. And then Holger came up with the ideas. You get a couple, and then you have a dozen generating ideas, which is really the the source, the guts of innovation, is to keep moving ahead and trying things out. So it's amazing uh, to. To my listeners, we don't plan the quotes in advance. We don't sit down around a virtual conference table and say, okay, Stuart, you take this quote, and Holger, you take this quote, and Morton. They just come up with their own quotes, and it's very gratifying to me how they all fit together so intelligently for the show. Stuart and Morton, now you know what we do here on Game Changers. We come up with ideas. So, Stuart Clements, you're up first in the getting to know you part of the show. I have three very brief questions for you. Number one is, where in the world did we find you today? I know we Called you number two. What's your favorite drink that powers you to be so smart? And number three, what do you do at Keytree and what does Keytree do? Stuart Clements, you're up.
2: Thank you. Yes, yeah, so uh, you phone me, and I'm currently at home in London in Putney near mm-hmm. the uh, River Thames. So, very, very nice place to, to live. Um, in terms of my uh, what's in my cup. Uh, My my favorite drink is actually a cocktail called Negroni. Now, Negroni has suddenly gained in popularity, certainly in London. I don't know about uh, America. uh, But it's a drink which was invented in 1919 by Count Negroni. And he was sitting in a bar in Florence, and he was drinking another cocktail called the Americano. And that's made of uh, soda, uh, vermouth and Campari. But it wasn't alcoholic enough. So he asked the bartender to change the service of gin, and he created the Negroni, which is a lovely drink. It's quite bitter, which is why, why I like it. But I spent a number of evenings in Soho in London drinking it with friends. You have it in a nice crystal glass with a big ice cube. Um, but I do have to say you have to be careful because after three or four, it has a tendency to hit you like a train. So, wow, um, three Stuart. Can moderation. you
1: can you spell that for me, please? I'm trying to look it up. How do you spell the name of the cocktail?
2: Negroni. N e g
1: r o n i.
2: Negroni. Negroni.
1: Oh, Negroni. Got it, got it, got it. Campari Negroni cocktail. Celebrate 100 years. The Negroni is a popular Italian cocktail made of one part gin, one part vermouth rosso, one part Campari garnished with orange peel. It is considered an aperitif. Very interesting. Serve on the rocks in an old-fashioned glass. I'm looking at a picture, and it looks delicious. Thank you for that. I don't think in eight years and probably 6,000 guests, I don't think anybody's ever told me about that. So bravo to you, Mr. Clements. Now tell us, in between talking about, <laughs> talking about Dead Poets Society and enjoying your Negroni cocktails, what do you do at Keytree?
2: So, yeah, well, I'll start off a quick, quick intro about Keytree. So, Keytree is an uh, international award-winning design and technology consultancy, uh, and we develop our own products as well. And I, uh, well, my role at Keytree now is uh, the director of the R&D, so a very interesting space. And we have a lot of talented individuals. So you have a lot of fun taking different tools, a lot of them cloud-based, and then creating beautiful apps and and great solutions for our clients. And it's really my job to create the right environment and the strategy to help um, all the talent we have in Keytree to excel and uh, help our clients. So it's a very interesting, you know, it comes with its own challenges, but it's a very interesting space to work in.
1: Very good to know. And the challenges, I'm guessing, Stuart, are what drive you. There's that carpe diem ethic. Am I right? Seize the day. Exactly.
2: Without challenges, you know, it's, life
1: would be boring, wouldn't it? So, I um, couldn't, you know, we... agree <laughs> couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Thank you. Let's move around the table to Mr. Morton Graham. And Morton, same three questions. Where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink? What's your favorite beverage any time of the day or night? Doesn't matter what time we're on the radio right now. And tell us about Trifork, please.
0: Yes.
3: So right now I'm actually sitting in the Swiss Alps in a valley overlooking a lake and the mountains in the background. So if you can imagine this Swiss commercial for Swiss chocolate with the mountains in the background and the cows with the bells, that's exactly where I'm sitting, looking out over the water. And it's a pretty, pretty nice place. It's um, not that often that I'm here because I travel a lot, uh, but when I'm here I really enjoy the quiet. Um, so that's where I am right now. It's right in the middle of the nature my my favorite drink is not as exciting as spiritual things but i think <laughs> if i change it a little bit it might be actually so my favorite is actually in the mornings is an avocado smoothie um, i'm not sure i can take the full credit for the recipe but i'm built a bit into it so it's kind of kind of my own so it consists of avocado spinach cucumber lemon apple kale celery ginger and broccoli wow well, that that is basically just my breakfast. So I drink this for the morning and that's all I have for breakfast. <laughs> one good advice if you want to try it out, make yes, sure please. when you start blending it that the that the lid is on. <laughs> really Otherwise I'm gonna have a green kitchen and I'll try that one.
1: Uh, Morton, I found an alternative recipe using almond breeze, almond milk, unsweetened vanilla flavor, with a cup of spinach, a medium ripe banana. They do advise you to peel the banana first, which I agree with. A Half a ripe avocado, peeled and pitted, of course. Two cups of frozen blueberries and a tablespoon of ground flaxseed meal. Do you like that one, too? That's a blueberry banana avocado smoothie, and it'll give you glowing skin. Does your skin glow, Morton Graham?
3: <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> but I should probably try the other one out. And uh, I think for Stuart, if you put vodka in at night, it's probably works <laughs> with that as well. And even being healthy. Um, yeah. And
1: now tell me what you do. And what is Trifork, and what do you do there, Morton Graham? So,
3: yeah. So, so Trifork, you speak basically three different has three uh, three different business units. The so one business unit is our conferences, where we do a lot of conferences for developers. Then we have our project business, which I'll come back to. And then we have our, our labs, which is all our startups. And the reason why I mention this is because I basically have a role in, in two of these businesses. So if you look at the, the project part of the business, where the smart enterprise sets out, that is where we basically based on new technologies. are trying to challenge the status quo and co innovate the customized solutions together with our customers. That makes a difference for them. And this can be on the product. It could also be on their processes. But it could also be on the business model. So this is innovation in, in, you can say, in in three different um, uh, dimensions, basically. And this is very interesting for me because the last 25 years I've spent implementing standard solutions, enterprise solutions into these customers, trying to fit them into these products. So actually getting the the freedom to actually build exactly what fits to the customers is is pretty unique. And the last thing I do is actually I work in our, our labs with some of the startups, uh, helping them innovate and build their businesses from a commercial perspective, um, and this is also again back to failing fast and and actually keeping up with the innovation. So we use our startups to actually be on the top of technologies, so that we add innovation and the, the processes, so we could use that when we go out into the enterprise.
1: Very interesting. Thank you, Morton. You sound like a very busy person, and I love the way you suggested Stuart try a smoothie with vodka. We'll we'll have to have you all back on another show. We'll get a drink update from uh, Stuart Clements and Morton Graham. Thank you very much. And let's see if you try the blueberries in your spinach avocado smoothie. That sounds interesting to me. I'm not sure I'm going to be the one to give it a try. Holger. You're up next. Where in the world are you today? I have a clue, actually, because you called us. We didn't call you. And tell us. You tried to tell me what your drink was by text this morning, and I said, no, no, surprise me on the show. So here we are. I didn't look it up yet. And, uh, Holger, what's new with you at Apple SAP Go-To-Market? Talk to me.
4: Sure. So today I'm calling from Palo Alto. So I'm here for a week. Usually I'm in, based in my headquarters in, in Waldorf, and uh, Live close to Waldorf, uh, about half an hour away, in a wine-growing region, which actually leads me to my favorite drink point, which is called Riesling Schorle. I send it to you because nobody could write it down if I just say it. So if you mm-hmm. want to Google it, Riesling Schorle. it's uh, basically a mix of Riesling, which I think is probably also known as a as a kind of wine in uh, in the US. Yes. So a lovely wine, wine. And, a lovely white wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. lovely, lovely wine. And right, right behind our, our yard, they grow Riesling. So I see it, I see it growing every day. So the Riesling shawler is a mix between uh, the Riesling and sparkling water. So that that's really nice after, so basically after the end of work, to sit outside on the, on the the lawn or uh, yeah, just sit outside and have a, a nice Riesling shawler, nice, cool, and. Uh, there's, there's even a, a special glass made for it, so because you said what's in your cup, uh, in that case there's even a special cup for it and that is even harder than Riesling Schorler, so that's called duple glass so if you ever want to see how a specially designed cup for this Riesling Schorler looks like uh, I'll send you the name or I'll send you a picture and uh, <coughs> then you can see how that looks like, it's specially fabricated, very user centric because that's 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 why I like it so very user-centric. There's this little. Uh, they, it, it's built in a way that you you don't lose it if you have sweaty hands or anything. So it's really <laughs> built, built with a, built with a user in mind. So that that's uh, that that that's a, a very important invention in the whole area I, I live in.
1: That's very thoughtful. A drinking case. You have sticky. I'll say sticky instead of sweaty. Sticky hands.
4: Yeah. Oh my goodness. For the user. User needs. Yeah. Uh, and you can look up I'll, the word I'll, I'll shorla. Have to
1: You can look up the word Schorle, S-C-H-O-R-L-E. It's a German beverage made by diluting juice or wine with carbonated water or lemonade or lemon-lime soda. And it's got its own category, Schorle, on, yes, on uh, Wikipedia. We just learned a lot from you. Holger, what have you been up to when you're not having your Schorle?
4: Yeah, uh, the last couple of years I've been very busy working on the, the partnership we created with, uh, with Apple. So at SAP I'm still part of the, the platform unit, so we have a significant uh, investment and a, and a large team working on, on platform and innovation, and as a part of that uh, I'm focusing on the, the Apple partnership. What we do there is uh, we, we work with, with customers to uh, work with them on adopting the new technology, understanding basically what, what the opportunity is of uh, two big companies like uh, like Apple and SAP working together on mobility. So we work a lot with customers. So we, we have these, uh, they call innovation awards at Sapphire. So we're always happy if some of our customers win the innovation awards. So this year it was NHL. Probably well known uh, company, and then a company for, from Australia, Newcrest Mining, and uh, a couple of additional ones. So, working closely with them on on exciting projects uh, is, is really great. And then also, obviously, working with uh, gentlemen like Morton and Stewart, so, working with our mm-hmm. partners. Uh, making sure that uh, we uh, help them with the projects uh, they're driving, getting their feedback, uh, co-presenting at events. So I had the, the chance to present with Stuart two weeks ago at Sapphire. So really working closely with partners just because they, they have all these great ideas. They have all the, the insights on, on what their, their customers need and then come up with really cool uh, mobile solutions to, to help our customers.
1: I like the idea of really cool mobile solutions. That's what we're talking about today. Thank you, Holger. I'm here today with Stuart Clements at Keytree, Morton Graham at Trifork, and Holger Fritzinger at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here drinking a cool glass of... Water. That's all they let me have on radio show days, and Holger knows why, and Stuart and Morton probably figured it out. No caffeine for Bonnie on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. That's just the way the rule book goes. We're talking about innovation matters. Yes, it does. That's actually a double entendre, innovation matters a noun and innovation matters, a verb, enterprise mobility and strategic partnerships. We have three experts on the panel today. You're listening to game-changing business model disruption radio here on the Business Channel. We're going to take a quick 90-second break. That's all we're going to do. So have a sip of something refreshing and that will make your brain nimble because we have a lot of great information to share with you and when we come back, Stuart Clemens will start off our roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, That dial, oh you know the drill. Air and
0: out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future success of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerating ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business disruption catalysts, new platform business models, agile innovation, a thriving ecosystem, and an API economy are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of business. Game Changing business model disruption is presented by SAP. Visit sap.com. You're listening to Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Business Model Disruption.
1: Exactly. We're here and we're talking to you about that exactly with Stuart Clements at Keytree, Morton Graham at Trifork, and Holger Fritzinger at SAP. Stuart Clements has graciously agreed to start the roundtable, the formal part of the show in the roundtable, we call it. And here is a topic Stuart sent me before the show. I'll read it, then Stuart will expand it for two minutes, and then we'll invite Morton and Holger to come in and share their thoughts, agree or disagree. So Stuart told me, quote, Innovation does not always lead to benefits for all of society we need to always challenge ourselves to understand the full impact of our creations that's provocative, Stuart tell me more please
2: yeah thank you so when we uh, look at innovating and you know being creative in the technology space, we can often just focus on the technology it's really exciting it's really fun and we just focus on you know, maybe we've just created a, a great app. But we, we owe it to ourselves and to society to also look at the context of that technology and also look at the potential consequences of that, particularly before, you know, we go to um, mass market. And you mentioned right at the start some of the technologies involved in these solutions and just about everything we do now does have elements of machine learning. Or AI, and this will become even more important in the future. To so give an example of where things can go wrong, it's quite quite a f- famous one. Um, so, some of what we do, uh, and others in the industry, work in the HR around recruitment, and often some of the recruitment-based apps are, are based on they're trained on a set of uh, training data. Now, that training data can be over mm-hmm. maybe two, five, ten years, yeah. but it's only going to be as good as that training data. So any biases such as, let's say, technology, we often, unfortunately, I think 90% of uh, people hiding into technology are male. So there's a natural bias which then can be introduced into that app. So we have to be very um, conscious of you know, inherent bias which could exist in any app we're, we're launching. But let's take another example where it can really benefit society. So right now certainly in the UK um, waste, food waste is very um, top uh, topical and so it would be very easy to create an app and put this in the um, ownership of uh, shop managers so they could monitor the amount of food wastage and also link um, people who need that food, so people you know, poor in society who mm-hmm. need that food and they can use the app, they can log on to actually combine You know, any food that could go to waste, they can make sure it doesn't and people can actually not go hungry. So that's an example where technology, which can be both good or bad, it can be good, it can be bad, but it's up to us to acknowledge that fact and make sure that we understand the context and the consequences and we've really planned for
1: that well. Thank you. I like the way you got the word consequences in there, understanding the consequences. Good start. Morton Graham, please join us. Agree or disagree or add to what Stuart just shared with us? Go ahead, Morton.
3: Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with, with Stuart on this one. Um, But I think you can broaden it even further than to the extent that Stuart is giving. Because I think every technology that we kind of built has a flip side. So there's always a positive and negative, and I think one of the biggest challenges as a society is standing in front of right now is finding out what are the new roles going to be for human beings, right? Because with all the technology that is, um, just saying, you need to be really aware of the, uh, where is the human being going to be in all of this? So There's a lot of ethics in a lot of the technologies that are being developed at the moment, and um, Everything around artificial intelligence and robotics coming in, three uh, d printing taking over as well. There's a lot of efficiency, and there's going to be a lot of roles that over time will probably be phased out from a human being's perspective. So I think looking for a, a, at this at a high society level, someone's got to be thinking about what are the new things that people are going to be doing in the future. Right? We're going to be doing different things, hopefully things that are more enjoyable and uh, exciting. Than some of the stuff that we're doing today that we can outsource to the, yeah, robots or uh, some of the new technologies coming in. So I totally agree with with uh, Stuart in the sense that we really need to think about the consequences of the certain sort of technologies that we're looking at. I was quite surprised. I think this was a year or two ago where I saw a, a TV show about drones and how they were working on how you could protect yourself against drones. And I've always seen drones as a great innovation. On video, camera, and all the automation you could do with automatically bringing out stuff um, transportation wise and so forth, but never really thought about the negative side of what you also could use drones for, right, which really puts on some new uh, aspects of um, how to defend yourself basically because anything very drone, they're very interesting
1: pretty advanced right Yep so every how do you have the subside. How to Defend Yourself, that's a a really great... We don't talk about that too much. Uh, There haven't been any... You know what? I was told, Morton, that the people who owned this house before I moved in a year and a half ago, that the the man of the couple... Uh, was a drone flyer and he had drones. He was flying drones all over our community here in North Carolina and people were making sure they were properly dressed when they went out in their backyards and he was flying them all over. So he was, don- this was the, known as the house of the drone guy. I thought that was a riot. I don't have a drone. I don't know what I'm known for, but definitely not flying drones. They were getting a little worried. We'll leave that one alone. Holger Fritzinger, join us. Thoughts about... Innovation, technology for good for everyone? Do you need to protect yourself? What do you think?
4: Yeah, there's there's actually uh, last Saturday when I went to the supermarket, I was blown away. I saw there's a Lego set. So there's these sets for, for the kids and there's a Lego set, the police with a drone catching device. So more than something for you, you have to buy that for yourself or for for your kids. And so they they even have basically the Lego actually went a step further and and already created a, a game or something for the kids to basically uh, address that challenge. So really. I'm not sure exactly how it's called—police drone catching set something along those lines.
1: I've got the one here on Amazon, Holger. It's the Lego created three-in-one drone explorer 31071 building kit. Is that the one?
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah That that must be it. Yeah. And, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, looking at it from a, from a consequences, but also thinking for thinking about the consequences for others. So I have two 11-year-old girls. So for me, basically, one of the, the interesting points around the discussion Stuart brought up is what, what are the consequences and, and how do you help uh, others understand what the consequences are? So how do you explain it to two 11-year-olds that uh, yeah. it's great to share a lot of information, get access to a lot of information, that it comes, but it comes at a price? So that, that's something I think we'll, we'll all have to learn over time and, and figure out how to, how to get that message across.
1: Thank you very much. Stuart, quickly, you want to recap or anything you want to say back to your co-panelists on the, this very interesting topic you started?
2: I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's so important. Just <laughs> on drains again, one, um, I've got a friend who works out in Africa, in Nigeria, and this is a positive use of drains. They were looking at using them for distribution of medical supplies to remote regions. So again, um, you know, every, every technology aspect, you know, has advantages and disadvantages, and it's up to us to make sure we thought those through uh, and not get completely tied into how brilliant a solution looks.
1: Thank you very much. Good. That's a good jumping-off point. I'm looking at Morton Graham's notes, and Morton, you say here, uh, enterprise apps are often an overlooked opportunity in many large companies, but here's what you said that intrigued me. You say many user experiences, quote, really suck, unquote, and the natural consequence is that user adaption is low this results in all kinds of failed implementations and poor adoption rates, etc., etc. And I mentioned that in the beginning in my intro. So, Martin, can you, is there a, a good news side to this? Uh, my introduction said if you have apps at work, they may not be user-friendly. You may not want them at all. So what's your thought on this?
3: Yeah. So, so my thought on this, and this comes back to my 25 years of implementing and right, has always been for efficiency, companies that have always treated their internal employees way different than the external. Because if you gave the external customers the same tools that they give internal, they wouldn't have any customers. So so just because you have employees, you've been able to force them to use tool sets that are really not that user friendly. I had a CEO once telling me, why is it that my six-year-old kid can make an order on Amazon or anywhere else on the internet or on the iPad? But my highly educated people in my organization have issues using my backend systems, right? Even though they have five years of education, three three weeks of training. And the user experience has always, there's been this perception that it's just colors on the screen. But the reality is actually the real value of implementing these solutions lies in the user adoption. So the more user friendly you can make these applications that people are using, Mm -hmm. the higher user adoption you're getting. So our experience is basically, if you're making your applications right for your internal users, there should be no need for training. There should be no need for go-live support because if you make them intuitive enough, fitting the right role, they know how to use it. How many has ever downloaded an app for their iPad and then ask manual or look for someone who could train them in using that app? No, they just download it and use it. That's right. I think this is where this whole cooperation between SAP and Apple comes into play because you're getting the best of two worlds, right? You're getting a really rich, feature-based platform, the best engine in the world, basically, combined with the best user experience in the world. And, yeah, that's basically what it's all about. It's bringing, bringing that user experience, not forcing your internal employees to use something because they're employed, but giving them tools that they really like to work with. And that very very yep. high quality and high efficiency.
1: Very very well put. Yes, uh, we we need to not need to go for the manual if we want to. Right, mobile app should be very easy and and work app should be easy too. Holger, join us. Agree or disagree with Morton? Anything you'd like to add, please?
4: Yeah, I absolutely agree with with Morton. So as he he pointed to the partnership we we formed with Apple around that topic, and, and that really has this this whole. Uh, challenge and opportunity as it, as it's hard. So one of the interesting thing actually, if I can quote one of uh, uh, Morton's customers, so a company called Vestas, so they basically looked at the, the chain of user experience, driving adoption, driving business value, and they really have done some interesting work around how these things uh, fit together and then basically how an increase in uh, in user adoption drives additional business value. And the reason that is important is that uh, there's still too many people out there who say, okay, it's it's good enough, let's just give them something, it's good enough, and yes. uh, then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get away with it. But uh, this is not how it works anymore. Uh, the, the, a lot of the other customers we talk to say that uh, our users are spoiled, so I wouldn't put it that way, but people are just used to having a great user experience with, with their app and uh, not something that uh, they typically see in the enterprise. Maybe the last point, so I, I learned, uh, or I relearned an English word when I co-presented with Stuart. So he was uh, talking at the presentation that the user experience is rubbish in a lot of cases. So I, I stepped back and thought about when. when's probably the last time I heard the word rubbish. It must be British English. So Stuart, you're probably the... <laughs> Yes, oh, Bonnie you can explain. I, I heard it when I when I learned English at school, but I, I think in all the years working with in the U.S., I, I've never heard that word again.
1: <laughs> Thank you for the language challenge. I appreciate that. Uh, is bollocks in the same vocabulary lesson, Holger?
4: I, I I I think it's the for the the further advanced classes. So I think <laughs> <obviously so. laughs>
0: I'm sorry.
2: you That's slightly stronger than rubbish.
1: Stuart, Stuart needs to clarify that for me. What do I know? I'm just the host. I only, speak the, I only speak this kind of English. Thank you very much. Stuart, we have summoned you. What do you think about this statement that we're talking about from Morton? Yes, yeah, so, so, um, having a, a wonderful,
2: you know, kind of delightful UX experience. That's the cornerstone for everything which anybody should should, uh, be producing as part of a mobile-first strategy. But it's quite interesting how how to get there and how to understand what a good user experience is. Um, A lot of people in the industry are, are, rather than just focusing on a product, they look at a customer journey. So looking at exactly what a customer does when they go through a process. And then understand what those key touch points are, how you can get a seamless flow through that. And often people use ideas such as design thinking, you know, define the problem, understand the concept, quickly iterate. And I love Morton's, you know, we will keep coming back to these ideas, fail fast, fail um, often. Mm -hmm. And the idea to validate quickly, you get into a, a, a virtual circle, and then you ultimately end up with a fantastic design, um, which the users really enjoy. Because we talked about how important data is, but unless you can get data into the hands of the consumer in a, you know, a, a great way, then they can actually get insight from that data and action it and you know, help them make decisions through their lives, whether they're business or personal decisions. And they cannot do that if the UX design is rubbish um, or bad, you know, not, not optimal. So, you know, you have to have a great UX experience or, you know, your solution would fail. Certainly won't be able to achieve its potential.
1: Thank you very much. You know what? We are officially already into the predictions round at the end of the show. We call this the crystal ball, but I'm going to quote Holger Fritzinger just one more quote. Actually, Holger, because I'm not getting to your roundtable statements, I'm going to start with you. So, Stuart, you're next, and then Morton will cap with you. Sixty seconds each. But, Holger, here's what you told me, and I just want to say this on the air because it's important. We are at a time of unprecedented change when it comes to what users expect, Enterprises so far are only scratching the surface of mobility. I'm just going to leave that on the table. So, Holger, Fritziger, 60 seconds, what do you predict will change about this topic? Oh, between now and 2025, 60 seconds is all we've got. Go ahead and nail it, please.
4: Yep, I don't think we need to wait till 2025. So, my prediction is that within the next two or three years, so 2022. Uh, what what we're talking about today, so lack of adoption in in enterprises uh, around enterprise mobility is is gone so that that's something from from all we can tell from the interest uh, we're seeing with the customers from from all the exciting new technology coming in, and then also I think one one really big uh, driver for that is that we're seeing so many customer success stories now. That it's a lot easier for, for other customers just to learn from it, use it internally, make a case, and just based on that go in and basically come up with a, a similar great solution or an even better solution in their enterprise. So by 2022, we we won't have the, the issues anymore. We won't we won't talk about adoption of enterprise mobility
1: anymore. Thank you very much. Let's circle around the table to Stuart Clemens at Keytree. Stuart, 60 seconds. What would you like to share with us? What you see in the crystal ball, please?
2: Well, I think it's a really exciting time. So, building on some of the ideas we just went through, I think a lot of the tools will become even more simple to use. So, it will enable not just people sitting in the ID department, but anybody, the consumers themselves and those sitting in the business, to combine you know, machine learning, IT, analytics, all these great tools which will sit on the cloud. They'll have access to a huge, rich data pool and then be able to innovate and create their ideas and actually create apps um, in a matter of a few weeks. And that's so they could be able to take their ideas, accelerate delivery, and create, you know, wonderful solutions themselves rather than relying on, you know, the traditional kind of CA department. So it's a very exciting time.
1: And a lot of it is already here now. It is almost here. I'll tell you why that's important in just a second. Uh, Morton Graham at Trifork Smart Enterprise. You've got 60 seconds. What would you like to predict for us, Mr. Graham?
3: <laughs> it's pretty hard to come after the two others. Um, nah, you're good. you're good. You're right, good. Right, right in the sense that everything... In 2025, we'll be out of this, because right now, the people coming up, or the the younger generations, they want tools like they've grown up with, so they won't take jobs if if the tools are not there. I think one of the things that's going to change dramatically is how we interact with the technology, right? So, until now, it's been a lot with a screen and a keyboard, and I think if you look five years from now, you won't be using that a lot, because you'll be talking to your devices, uh, you will have them, you will wear them, either in forms of glasses or sensors or watches. Mm -hmm. So the the whole environment that we're working in is going to change dramatically. And the amount of data that we need to work with is another thing that we need to cope with because we're talking, you know, millions of events per second that someone has to kind of work with. Um, So I think our interaction with the devices or the technology will be way different than it is today. The shift has already started, but it's just in the beginning. The things we are interacting with will be a lot more intelligent with the AI stuff um, and the roles that the people will have in the organizations will slowly change as well so um, yeah so there's a lot of changes ahead of us and it's a very exciting times and as Stuart said the technologies are there and we just need to have the courage to actually start using them.
1: Absolutely, and I have an announcement to make starting Wednesday, June 5th. Next week, my main show for SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers will be turning into something brand new. Gentlemen, listen to this. Technology revolution, the future of now. Ooh, because we talk about how the future is already here, and I say, that was yesterday's future. What is today's future? So we'll be covering some very provocative topics, and I'd love to have the three of you suggest some topics to me. So get in touch with me, and the same goes for our listeners. My new email is bonnie.d.graham at voiceamerica. Dot com. That's how you find me. So now it's time to close up this party. Thank you so much to Holger for organizing this. Shout-out to Torsten and Mark at SAP for sponsoring this series. And here is my call to action. Shout-out, of course, to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. So here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. Is it made of Legos? Ooh, that would be kind of uncomfortable. But anyway, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today, just like Stuart Clements at Keytree, just like Morton Graham at Trifork, and just like Holger Fritziger at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Be back tomorrow with the final edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers leading into next week's new show, Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. Tomorrow's a preview, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel.
0: Be there, I will. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Business Model Disruption, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.